What's up, guys? Welcome to the SZ Show. This is the first episode of the SZ Show. We will be talking about a bunch of random topics here, including religion, spirituality, um, basically food, career advice, business, how to meet the love of your life, <laughs> a bunch of other topics like that, bro. So, um, you know, stay tuned for that. And I'm going to be bringing in upon, like, you know, multiple guests um, to talk about their life journeys, talk about their careers, different sort of things like that. So let's dive right into it. Okay. So this is the first episode. So the first episode is I'm going to introduce a podcast, introduce myself, my journey, you know, talk about those sort of basic things. And so basically, my name is Salman Zuberi. Um, I'm a senior. This sounds like my interview pitches, you know, like when I heard, sort of like pitched the interviewer um, about myself. But anyways, this is going to sound like, you know, kind of like that. But um, I go to the University of Illinois in Chicago two weeks away from graduation so congratulations to myself in advance <laughs> but um I'm, i've been studying like business analytics there and uh it's been quite a journey for sure i'm gonna dive right into like the trajectory of my life and how everything has unfolded because it's been crazy you know um the people that know me know it's been like you know really uh sort of um uh crazy journey for me for sure <laughs> but okay so first things first, I was born in Karachi, Pakistan, and uh, I will go, you know, along the events um, step by step. So growing up, you know, I was basically um, pretty chill. Um, I was an introvert, like I had massive social anxiety growing up. I remember um, and I was like really attached to my sort of my family and my family members. And when the first sort of a dynamic came of, you know, sort of like leaving my family and going to a school. Uh, and basically, obviously, you had to be like in person there and everything, not like remote and virtual nowadays. Um, but basically, I went to Sandra Montessori in Karachi, Pakistan, which was so my my parents were like basically really big fans of party education because, you know, it was in it was understood. It was like widely regarded in Pakistan, especially in Karachi, that, you know, Parsis, their level of education, their administration was really like, you know, um, well structured. And it was like uh, quite spectacular the way they sort of crafted out the individuals and, you know, what led to the sort of character development, um, you know, within their lives or whatever. But anyways. Back to the point, um, I went to Sandra Montessori and stuff, and I still remember, like, you know, me just trying to, like, run away from the school a lot and just, you know, trying to, like, just um, uh, stay attached to my family members and, like, you know, not going to a place where I'm going to be interacting with, like, multiple people. Because I don't know, like, at that point, at that time, like, I did not, like, uh, go to kindergarten or nothing like that. I was, like, just straight up the bat placed into Montessori, you know. And uh, there was no like sort of gradual process to that. Um, and so therefore I was not like, you know, sort of <clears throat> put into a place where I would like just continuously like, you know, get comfortable. And then gradually I would, you know, sort of um, go into this place where I had to like deal with academics and stuff, you know, right from the first day. So that happened right and then when i had to deal with academics you know learn my abcs all that i remember there was this uh claim making sort of class that, that like i don't have a lot of memories um from my childhood that i really like deeply embedded in my brain but like one of them the earliest one of them is basically this claim making class that was in the monastery um that i really enjoyed um never did claim making after that i'm just gonna take my coffee pauses you know while i'm going to the podcast because we need some caffeine to kick in you feel me
and that sound for was for the ASMR people. Anyways, so <clears throat> Montessori was quite a wild ride. Um, I remember uh, there was these there were these like three sort of sections, and we were all like one class, right? I'm talking about my class. Obviously, there were like you know upper classes and stuff in the Montessori too. I totally forgot how it worked, but. So there were these sections, A, B, and C, and I remember I was placed into like A or B, and then I was not like up to my academics and everything. And then this third section was full of like, you know, quote unquote, like stupid kids. That's where the Montessori put the stupid kids, you know, like people who just were not good at academics and stuff. And like, you know, they were placed there and they would constantly rotate between these three sections for some reason. And then I was like, you know, rotated to B again after I improved my grades or something like that. But anyway, so that was like kind of strange to me now that I reflect upon it and um, obviously there could be like you know certain like psychological um, sort of factors behind like how they would like you know do those different sections but I don't know if it was really effective in sort of development academic development of the child but anyways we're gonna like stop psychoanalyzing this and move on from that so after Sandra Montessori and stuff um, since my mom went to Mama Parsi, um, which was like a sort of another like Parsi school in Karachi, she wanted like, you know, me to like have a Parsi education as well. And so I got like placed into BBS Parsi. I think BBS Parsi, BBS Parsi High School, which is the high school that I went to in Karachi. This was the only sort of school um, that I like my parents like you know wanted me to like get the admission test for or maybe there were like one or two other than that that i do not remember the name of or something like that but this was a big deal now this is still a big deal if you go into karachi and if you ask like the residents from there and stuff if you want to get into this school it's in super high demand and stuff like i remember there were like long ass lines where you had to like stand and get the sort of admission um procedures in and you know get those fucking papers in and everything at time and then they would choose you for an interview it was like a whole long process and everything but since my mom was already from like a parsi school and like i, I think like she and like me uh, her her and uh, my grandmother used to work at like a parsi sort of hospital you know uh nearby which is uncle terry nursing home they used to like work as gynecologists there and everything so i think because of that because they had like you know sort of like work references and everything maybe that made like a sort of the process easier for me i don't know right so anyways got the admission to this day it's really hard to get admission there and a lot of people sign up they just do not pass the test or like interview problems whatever got in right and then first grade happens and now i'm coming in from sandra montessori and uh you know, I have no understanding of how to socialize with people. I don't remember having a single friend. Like at that point from the Montessori, I don't remember being social to the point where I could actually have a memory of like, you know, having friends or anything like that. So first grade happens. And uh, I don't know if there's a way for me to put pictures in this podcast right now, but I was <laughs> kind of like, you know, a wimp, you know, I was like a wimpy kid going into fucking high school and like the way high school works in Pakistan, right? It's like from the first grade to the 10th grade. So there's like, if we sort of compare to the American sort of schooling system, you have elementary in there, you have middle school in there and you have high school in there, right? So first grade, um, you know, kind of a wimpy kid and stuff, had no social skills or nothing like that. Uh, and there were all these like kids coming in whose social sort of lives were already like, you know, well-developed, they already had some sort of understanding on like, you know, uh, like academics in terms of sports, in terms of like, you know, other things. Um, 
But to be honest, like when I went in, I don't have a memory of like, you know, wanting to be an interest in sports or academics and like the Montessori experience did not give me, you know, uh, those skills at a really like significant sort of level. But anyways, you know, human behaviors to adapt. So we adapted. Remember getting bullied a lot in the first, second grade. It's because maybe I couldn't comprehend things. Maybe like, you know, I couldn't understand certain things um, the way they were supposed to be understood. Or maybe I could just couldn't just socialize effectively and stuff. So that's why, like, if you look at my eyebrows, like there's this car here. There's this car exactly right here. And this is not a coincidence. I mean, it could be a coincidence, but in the first grade... I was like running away from these bullies and these motherfuckers caught up to me and pushed me. And then I fell onto the rock or something like that. And then I like sort of, um, I fractured the skin on my like eyebrow and then uh, I had to get that stitched up. And then uh, literally in second grade, second grade happens, you know, first grade, whatever we manage, we adapt, you know, we get through that shit. Second grade happens and uh, same shit happens. Motherfucker pushes me. I don't remember. I don't remember the name of that dude you know who just pushed me and you know led me to like have this car or whatever second grade happens again fucking car you know and this exactly this eyebrow you know this other eyebrow like first grade this eyebrow the second grade this eyebrow like i don't know why it had to be the eyebrows but um maybe because like this sort of um sort of section on my face is like kind of outward so like when i fall like maybe this hits the ground first or something i don't know okay anyways have these two scars, you know, as sort of memories from like first or second grades, first grade, second grade, like the way I'm really being transparent and candid about my journey and going into detail is just so I could unpack, you know, certain like psychological patterns um, in my behaviors or, you know, in my entire journey, you know, where, where like I can understand like how maybe I was conditioned to certain things, you know, or maybe I had, um, uh, higher susceptibility to certain things. Anyways, right? We'll analyze that shit later. But uh, um, first grade, second grade, I remember having a massive crush on my teachers, you know. And then, okay, I forgot to um, sort of um, make this clear, but my school, BBS Party High School, to this day, it's, it was an only boys school, you know. There were only dudes there. And obviously, we, in the teachers and stuff, we had like, you know, um, male teachers, female teachers, whatever. But for the actual like pe people who were enrolled, they were only allowed to be males, right? Coffee break, one second. Anyways, so only dudes there. Uh, maybe that was one of the reasons that instead of having like a sort of crush on like maybe like a another sort of classmate of mine, I had it on teachers and stuff because maybe they were the only ones there of the opposite sex. So that was sort of interesting now that I reflect upon it. Um, and I remember like writing like, you know, like these cliche ass love letters to the teacher or something like that. You know, it's so cliche. <laughs> it's so funny that now that I look upon it and everything. Anyway, second grade happens. Third grade, what happens is um, so it's first, second grade, like, you know, even though I was weak in academics starting off, I gradually adapted and alhamdulillah, like, you know, became better and at academics and everything. And academics is a really sort of, um, you know, keen thing that we're going to talk about later because it becomes really relevant anyways third grade happens and my mom gets a job in Saudi Arabia so we have to sort of move there we moved there for a year 
And uh, this was particularly interesting too because um, Saudi Arabia was crazy to live in. Um, we were in this small town called Zulfi in this province of Riyadh. Or was it Bereza? I don't know. I don't know what the province was, but we were in this small town called Zulfi. Um, over there, there was like a small Pakistani community, um, you know, that sort of enabled us to have a sort of community. Because obviously, when you go to like different countries, that is different from your own. Shit, that did not even make sense. Different countries that are different from your own. Anyways, countries are different than your own. Obviously, there's like a growing need for like a community and uh, that lingers until you actually have like some form of community around you, um, you know, so you can speak the same language, eat the same foods, yada, 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 right? So we found a Pakistani community in Zulfi and um, my mom's like, you know, working there. Uh, my dad was, my dad, like before, um, you know, obviously when he was in Pakistan, like before Saudi Arabia, before that, like before we moved there, he was employed as an anesthesiologist. Only if, only if, you know, my parents had immigrated to the United States. But instead of Saudi at that time, my mom could have been working as a gynecologist. My dad could have been working as an anesthesiologist. Motherfucker would be rich, bro. <laughs> but anyways, God had different plans. So my dad, you know, couldn't work in Saudi Arabia. He did not have the permit. My mom only had the work permit. And uh, so my mom, my dad just, you know, took care of the house and stuff. Became basically like, you know, just like the male equivalent of like a housewife, you know. And he was doing our laundry and everything, taking care of all the house, uh, house and everything. Anyways, um, I remember uh, people, there were some people who lived in our house before. So it was an apartment thing, right? And we were renting it. And these motherfuckers left some Bangladeshi ghee. And my dad used to put that shit. And like, he, they left it in their kitchen, right? And then my dad wanted to make use of that. And now I wanted that to like go to waste because like ghee was maybe, it was, you know, nowhere to be found. And so he put that shit in the dal, you know, which is lentils that we make in South Asian culture uh, or South Asian cuisine. Um, and it would make it just taste so horrible. I hated dal, bro. <laughs> While I was in fucking Saudi Arabia, when I got out of there and came back to Pakistan, I was having dal. I was, I'm like, damn, bro. That's why like, like, I still like dal chawal, even though people fuck, don't fuck with it. I still like dal chawal because shit, I had the Bangladeshi ghee infused dal chawal, you know? No disrespect to Bangladeshis, you know? Like I'm sure uh, their ghee is applicable in their own cuisine, but the way my dad cooked it, uh-uh. So anyways, coffee break. It's funny how um, the coffee makes these, you know, like when you're, whenever you're drinking water, um, coffee, whatever, there's these gulping sounds. I hate them, bro. Even though you guys might be able to hear that shit, but I hate that shit, bro. I cannot, um, I have this thing called misophonia, which is like people near me are like, you know, chewing loudly uh, with food, with whatever, like with water, whatever. Like if they're making loud noises, I hate that shit. Like <laughs> anyways, coming back to Saudi, right? So growing up, in Saudi, growing up in Saudi Arabia, like constantly we were homesick. We wanted to go back to Pakistan. And like it was a small city, Zulfi. There was not much to do. There was not like, you know, a lot of um, liveliness sort of in the culture there or sort of like, you know, in the lights or anything like that. I do remember we went to Riyadh on a trip um, to visit some relatives on my mom. And that was particularly interesting because like Riyadh was a big city and there was so much to do over there versus Zulfi, but um, to be honest, it was like a scary journey, right? Just because like when we first came there and stuff, I was unaware of Saudi Arabian sort of culture and uh, um, 
and the laws over there, which like you know were like a little bit extreme, like of like public executions and everything, and like it was just scary. So like I didn't fuck with that. Um, you know, I was never like a hardline sort of like you know. I never had like a hardline sort of mindset, and nor did my family, nor did like more most of the people living there and stuff like that. I think most. Okay, I'm not gonna get too political, but this is about my journey, right? Fuck it. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about Saudi Arabian politics a different time, but anyways, that happens. Um, I remember when uh, uh, I w- I was like when I first came to Saudi. I and this is so interesting, like reliving all the old memories. I'll never even like, you know, stop to think about it until like I'm doing like a sort of podcast format and actually like, you know, reflecting upon it, reminiscing upon it. Um, when I was in Saudi, first got to Saudi, it could have been like three, four days. And then there was this sort of dynamic where we would have like small mosques where we would pray like the daily five prayers and then a bigger mosque that everyone would go to for the Jummah prayer, which is a big Friday prayer, right? So um we wouldn't go to the big Friday prayer for just a regular sort of prayers. Um, you would go to the closest ones to us, which which was like, well, like a five minute walk, 10 minute walk and most. And I remember so many times my slippers got stolen here. <laughs> I don't know why motherfuckers were st- stealing, like, you know, just slippers and stuff. St- that still happens. But anyways, um, I remember there was this Saudi uncle. Um, he was talking to my dad in Arabic. Now my dad did not understand shit, right? But he was like talking maybe in, like sign language, like, oh, like your son is like, oh, seven now, you know, he should know how to pray and stuff like that. Because I think I was trying to pray with my dad, but maybe I made like some mistakes in my prayer or something like that. And then he was just like, you know, pointing to my dad, uh, saying all that in Arabic. And then I think my dad understood, but um, I don't know, like when I like, oh yeah. So like after that, I think when I came to Pakistan, came back to Pakistan, then that's when I like I truly like, you know, uh, rectified my sort of like prayer style and everything, because obviously you have to have it a certain way. There's like really like strict structure on how you pray and everything, you know, like um, how you say like certain verses within the prayer, how like how you like sit and stand at the right specific points and everything. Anyways, right. So I remember. And then my dad, you know, was like kind of taken aback because like, like he just got here, you know, like his family just got here and this uncle like, you know, lecturing about all this. And it was not like he was talking about like in a, in like a normal polite tone. Like he was being aggressive about it, that, that uncle. But anyways, we leave from there and then, you know, we're just living in our house and stuff. I remember like throughout the entire like year in Saudi, I was, we were insanely homesick. Like we wanted to go back at all costs, you know, and my dad just wanted, you know, my mom to like, just work here and like maybe we could settle here because Saudi had like better sort of lifestyle compared to Pakistan my mom was getting paid more and stuff like that so he just they he just wanted us to like settle there and stuff anyways that couldn't happen um, I remember uh, Pakistan International School of Bredda I actually had a really cherished friend there I actually forgot his name um, um, I'm not sure but I would roam around with him a lot um and there was this like small ass canteen and it would be like really interesting to like you know get food there and stuff like that one time my like uh, my sister stole like thousand uh thousand real was it yeah thousand real like a note of thousand real and then just like tried to buy stuff with it the canteen they confiscated it because like it was not she was the snacks or was not that expensive you know and they confiscated it like you know they were like why are you like you know trying to like buy this like two real three real snacks with a thousand real so like that was funny um and uh 
it was an interesting journey just because just to get to that Pakistan international school, we would have to commute three hours. Wallah, he was three hours in the bus. There was a, there was a bus which would go from Zulfi all the way to Pakistan international school in Baratha. It was in a different state. So I was going to a different state for education, you know, because there was no like Pakistan international schools in Riyadh and the other school, all the other schools that were near us were most not developed or they were like all like, you know, the curriculum was all in Arabic and we couldn't understand Arabic. So we had to go to like a school where obviously they had offered Urdu, they offered English curriculum and stuff. So that was that. Anyways, um, it was an interesting journey just because um, on the three hours commute there, obviously um, there was a whole WAN culture. And if you guys have ever been in different countries where they have like school buses and stuff, and even here, right? School buses sometimes have politics and shit. They have violence and stuff, you know. That was a huge sort of like history of violence with our sort of school WAN or bus. And, uh, and I remember these older kids would like bully me and my sisters just because our last name was like, you know, Zuberi. And they they thought that we made fun of, um, you know, Hazrat Zubair, which is the companion of the Prophet um, by m- sort of making our name Zuberi and stuff like that. And then um, they continued to make fun of me, make, make fun of us. And then they would hit us with like sticks or something um, or like, you know, just like bully us physically and stuff until, until they found out that I like, you know, I could hack Facebook profiles and stuff. To be honest, it was not hacking. <laughs> you could just, there was this thing, right? Like everybody at that time, even though that they were minors, they were like, could be like nine, 10 years old. Um, they were making Facebook accounts, right? Instagram was not there at this point. There was only Facebook and stuff. People used to play like Facebook games, like farm will uh, remember this game called like, something with pets like petville or something like that anyways that was huge at that time and uh so uh i remember people would have all their progress saved and everything and then if you could report someone as a minor and like also give like you know their url and everything like facebook would check that profile and like you know close it down shut it down so i should sort of like use that mechanism and like you know sort of um trick people into sort of thinking that okay i hacked their account or whatever you know and then they found out i was a hacker and these these motherfuckers were in like ninth grade and tenth grade they were like damn bro this dude like studying in third grade is a hacker like wow okay so that's when they start bullying me, you know, <laughs> like when they found out some like cool shit. Anyways, that was like the most potent memory that I have from Saudi. Um, but they, what happened at the end of that year, that Saudi year, was uh, they were transferring my mom out to like a really remote location in Saudi. Um, it was like Tanzania, some some like really like complex Arabic word, like some small ass remote city. And um, fourth, fifth grade happens. Now this was a huge sort of um time in my high school journey as well just because on the high school side right i explain all the family shit on the high school side like i was sort of now obviously when the kids were younger right the the teachers wouldn't hit them like as frequently or like as hard but like in the fourth fifth grade we were getting hit like like crazy crazy you know like just slaps out of nowhere oh you didn't do your homework slap you know you didn't and it was like a bunch of petty shit too like motherfucker wrote in black ink instead of blue ink you know and then like, get slaps for that and stuff like that and now that i think about it like i don't even know why the fuck we had this rule in our high school in pakistan like oh you had to write the question with the black ink or um you know write the answer with the blue ink maybe we were had this like you know deep coded understanding of like how color like visual learning works like okay we're regarding the black sort of ink as a question and then blue ink you know we're basically getting conditioned to this sort of like color color scheme or whatever anyways it was sort of confusing um but maybe it has some wisdom behind it you know now that maybe i could reflect upon and do some research whatever 
something for later, right? But we would get hit for the pettiest shit, you know? And then uh, but my school had like a huge culture. There were like four houses which we were placed in. These were these different groups. Um, you know, one was like Raza Shah, Soparivala, um, Lancelot, and then Kaidyaz. And these were different houses that would compete against each other for sports, for academics, for awards. So it was like a good structure in terms of that. But there was like a lot of politics involved with that as well. Um, I remember we had the sort of like uniform, um, you know, and then the house sort of badge would be on the pocket. Um, and uh, that was like, you know, sort of like our identity at school. Um, and obviously we had roll numbers and everything, uh, which were sort of like our a UIN number or like, you know, our identification number at school. Um, so that was interesting. Mine, for some reason, would, was always like either 20, 21 or 22. Like those were the three numbers that were like, you know, always my um, role numbers or whatever. Anyways, um, that was that. But really important point to mention here as well, that after the fifth grade, right, fourth, fifth grade happens, you know, develop like a bunch of social relationships within these grades as well. I remember her, Sadullah, my dear friend who I still have now. Um, bunch of other people, some motherfuckers that were mean as hell. I'm not going to name them. I hacked their Facebook IDs and shit, and then I got a lot of shit for that. Not hacked, but you know, the same process, the reporting as minor shit that I would have. Anyways, that happens. Um, fifth grade hits, and then sixth grade, if so, sixth grade, there were two routes in our high school. Either you could go into the Cambridge system, which was the O-level system, this was the British schooling system, or you could go into the Aga Khan route, which was the uh, sort of... Um, it was affiliated with like a local um, sort of academic board in Pakistan, which was well reputed by itself, you know, Al-Khan uh, board. And then I chose Al-Khan board and I want to go to the Al-Khan board route. I did not want to because like when, if you would go into Cambridge in the sixth grade, you would have like double the classes and stuff, you know, double the workload. I don't want to fuck with that. And then I had no intention of going to um, England or like, you know, just fucking with our own schooling system as well. Even though like most of our schooling system and education are sort of like, you know, British-focused, British-centric um, in Pakistan. Anyways, um, I remember the textbooks and everything. And one important point that I'm going to talk about textbooks and everything is like, um, let's talk about like subject versus subject, right? English education. And then I was really good. Like I practically, uh, after sixth grade, I really got, uh, you know, good at like English language, English literature classes, which I, you know, got awards for many times and stuff like that. There were like prize distribution ceremonies, which we would like go to and like, you know, get these awards. It was usually like books and stuff. Um, but I got that in like sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. And then uh, that was interesting. Um, and then uh, basically what happened was mathematics right mathematics i was really fucking weakened you know just to begin with this was kind of interesting just because when i came to the united states and when i started studying mathematics here here was like you know basically um sort of taught with a complete different structure and i would love math here you know i fucking loved math here the fucking geometry calculus whatever we did even the fucking calculus i fucking loved calculus in college and shit you know it just has to be the right instructor i think just because in ninth grade in pakistan you know when i was studying um, mathematics there the school's vice president vice principal dina was teaching us and uh you know she taught with a great structure and great expertise which would boil down things to like you know uh, great detail and stuff um and that was really like instrumental in like you know developing like my mathematical learning that's when i got better like ninth grade for three fucking years there was a huge huge sort of culture of cheating you know like we would just like it's called chapa chapa is the word in urdu right 
where you would just copy shit from other students and stuff like that. And uh, I remember like one <laughs> one time <laughs> I literally packed handouts, handouts for these big bunches of like, you know, papers sort of stapled together. And uh, it would have like a lot of like educational sort of like, you know, learning materials on it and stuff like that. And then <laughs> there was, it was cold as shit. You know, I was wearing like a big jacket and stuff like that. I literally like snuck in handouts and shit. And uh, we had these, we used to have these desks where where it would like be a flat top desk and then it would have like a small like uh, um, drawer under underneath it. It would not be like a closed drawer, it would be an open drawer, right? So like I snuck in the handouts and shit, put the handouts in there. And I was like, you know, copying out. The, this is like seventh grade or something like that. And then one of the invigilators, you know, um, he caught me and you know he was like yo if you do that shit again i'm like taking you out of this classroom and stuff and i was like okay i'm not gonna try to do that again but i was <laughs> entire fucking high school not entire fucking high school there were like some things that obviously you could not cheat on like english literature essays english language sort of like grammatical essays comprehensions all that but in like a lot of like mathematical stuff science was crazy chem was a fucking disaster physics was a fucking disaster biology was okay biology was i had like good teachers and stuff like that they actually you know knew but like that's you know that sort of started coming like in the eighth grade we had like physics chemistry and uh um biology sort of like distributed to different subjects before that was just science you know we were learning everything under the banner of science so that was the sort of structure of like how our curriculum was based and we had Pakistan studies which was total which was social studies before the eighth grade so after eighth grade basically we had like you know more distribution more concentrated subjects before eighth grade it was just like general subjects and social studies would like learn like you know different things you know like sometimes and even in Islamic right that is the one thing that I cherish about like you know studying with a with like a Parsi administration they would give comparative sort of um, perspectives to different things, which actually developed our characters towards critical thinking, you know, developed our minds towards critical thinking, where you compare, where now we compare all the graduates from that school, like mostly, I think, we compare different perspectives and have that sort of understanding in our head, you know. So within even Islamic, we had like, you know, perspectives of comparative religion and everything, but not to undercount the actual like quality of like, you know, our, like even the education of our own religion that was taught um, within that sort of Islamic or Islamic studies sort of subject, just because it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. We learned about the different wars that happened, different ghazwats, um, you know, different prophet, different companions, different prophets, and everything. Their journeys, you know, and different ahadi, different like learning materials. We also had to like you know sort of analyze certain verses from the Quran and talk about them in our papers. Also like you know sort of quote specific references and stuff within those sort of um, you know passages and stuff like that within whatever our text was. So relaying this back to sort of like American education that sort of you know um, solidified citing materials citing reference materials and everything right and um, this was particularly interesting just because um, um, when I was uh, growing up I did not have like there was no like it's like how we have in America right there's like a sort of Sunday school sort of um, structure where like you know kids go to uh, maybe like a religious sort of institution on Sundays and they learn about religion there. One thing that I really liked about my school and I really appreciate about like, you know, growing up in Pakistan and stuff is that it was a subject in the school. It was a subject in the actual school where we were learning Islamic studies in, in, in like, you know, like sort of like a really intellectual basis and sort of like a really uh, educational sort of basis versus like, you know, if you would go to like a religious institution, maybe it's just 
taught from like a really like theoretical perspective versus like, you know, maybe if it's embedded into the school's education and you're learning it every day and stuff like that, you can have like intellectual conversations about it. You can learn the intricacies and stuff. You know, it's not like just basic education like Sunday school. That was pre pretty interesting and stuff. Um, and okay, after that, uh, social studies, right? Social studies was a great sort of topic. Um, we would learn about different countries. We never learned about the world wars, I don't think so, within our 10 years of high school. World wars and Hitler and everything was something that I learned uh, way later on when I came to America and stuff. I knew of the world wars, but there was like nothing that went to detail just because Pakistan studies and the social studies in Pakistan was mostly focused on the nationalism, uh, you know, that exists in the country and it's mostly focused on the nationalism and how the country came into being, how we fought the Indians, how we fought the, this, you know, and it was repeated in every single grade, you know, and it went to like more detail, like, okay, the Khilafat movement and, um, the Indo-Pak war, you know, uh, the British colonization, everything, all these topics, you know, we would like explore them in every single grade as you would go higher and higher. There would be like more details, of course. But um, one particular thing to note here, though, and this is something that I disregard in Pakistani education is like the level of nationalism that we're getting through the Pakistan study book is not, you know, good. We're not like, you know, being exposed to different perspectives and different perspectives are completely shut off. There was this, the book that we would study from, it was a British publisher. Now it's not even allowed in the Pakistani schools just because it was, you know, sort of, uh, it's stigmatized, not stigmatized, but it actually like, you know, sort of brought us like a different side of maybe Iqbal or maybe Sir Sayyid Ahmed Khan own theology or something not theology but like his political views or something like that something that does not fit their narrative or their perspective they do not want the kids to learning but at the same time they'll take action on that and not fucking like books of science from the fucking 90s and the 80s you know so like not to get too political but that's the fucking state of the education and the poor state the poor quality of education is why you know i think a lot of problems in pakistan's like they're deep rooted you know like if you're conditioning to a child with all that shit you know education from the 90s education from the 80s and it's not even you know it's not even teaching them to think critically i don't think that's of use so as i was saying so 10th grade immigration happens right uh and uh i was in the second semester and now this was like a key sort of time where i could either complete my entire semester or um wait actually it the the approval actually came before August. It was July. So we could have immigrated before that. But my dad wanted me to complete the semester. So I completed the semester, went uh, to the United States in January. And then we started looking for and then now. OK, obviously coming to the United States was a huge deal for me when we went for Umrah and we were in Saudi Arabia. Right. We were in Saudi Arabia for a year, as I mentioned in this podcast earlier in this podcast. One of the biggest things that we know and then not the biggest things that we know, but some people know this that when you go to pilgrimage to Makkah, right, and you look at the Kaaba, which is like the holy sort of a monument we have in Makkah, when you have the first look at it and you make a prayer in your heart, that immediately gets accepted. When I went to the Makkah, and this was a time of like, you know, a lot of like trouble that we were facing while living in Saudi, like, you know, um, we wanted to go back, we were homesick and everything. And obviously, even in Pakistan, lifestyle was not the best, right? So um, there was this one country that sort of always, you know, appealed to me. I was constantly infatuated with the culture, with the dynamics, with the people there. And that was obviously the United States. And when I first saw the Kaaba, when I first saw the Kaaba in Makkah, that was the first prayer I made. I was 
I said that, you know, may God, may Allah, like, you know, take me to the United States and help me settle there, right? Something along the lines of that. But I do remember that so specifically because I knew that that was like, I was so intentional about it, you know, and uh, made that prayer and Alhamdulillah, here we are. Um, but a lot of people tell me, bro, you wasted that, you know, like a uh, special moment, you know, and special prayer on this and stuff like that. But this is special for me. Like, I'm really thankful and blessed to be here. And, you know, it takes like a lot of it. I know so many people back home, you know, they're struggling there and like really bad live lifestyle, really bad living conditions and everything. And only way out for them sometimes is just to come to Western country, and especially the United States. You know, the United States is safe haven. Is a just a it's a transform transformative world for many. You know, that's what the American dream is. It's a transformation of your lifestyle. It's a transformation of your identity. Um, but when I first entered the United States, probably it was magical. Like it was like you know we came to Chicago first of all, right? Um, I was so excited on the way, um, you know, and then I remember like in the last days, um, the exams were about to happen. And then some of my friends couldn't even believe it. They were like, damn, bro, you really going to the yes now? Some some friends that I was capping, you know, they thought that I was capping. I was like making them a fool and stuff like that. And then I would never go and stuff like that. It was it just was not possible, you know, the way I was, the way I conducted myself and everything. Um and then I just left, you know, I just told them and, and like I had my last meetups, last farewell parties, whatever. And I left. And then um, when I like I was finally in Chicago and stuff, never visited a Western country before this. I just only visited Saudi, which was now Western, obviously. Um, so I was just um, it was like a huge cult, not culture shock. I mean, culture shock. I'll definitely get into that much later on. But it was crazy, bro. Like these lights, these big buildings and stuff like that. I was amazed. I was like, damn, bro, this is a whole different world out here, you know. And uh, that's what that's the same thing that I say when I go back to Pakistan now, like on trips and stuff. I'm like, that's a whole different world out here, but not so excited. Obviously, you can get excited if you go into like the better areas. Like I, I think like Karachi's infrastructure is fucked up, you know. Like if you go to Karachi, you're going to be like depressed looking at the state of life and like you know just like how infrastructures and everything over there but if you go to Lahore you go to like the northern areas and stuff like that you're gonna be amazed like Pakistan is, has its own beautiful sides to it as well but obviously that depends on like which side you're going to um but America bro from the first day that I came here and until now like I like I get amazed every sort of you know new sort of thing that I um find I get amazed at that you know I went to the small town in Illinois just to, like I me and my friends discovered it right like uh, my dear friend uh, Ahmed Khan sort of like you know introduced me to it and stuff like that it's, it's called Galena it's in Illinois and stuff like that like even like small towns like that you find so much like culture there and stuff like that it's just developed it's like infrastructures like people are like you know like it really like comes down boils down to like how people conduct themselves and how they sort of interact with each other and stuff like that you know so we started living here um there was Villabrook high school right by here um just like a like what 10 minute 15 minute walk from here and uh i was sort of enrolled there and this is so interesting this is such like it's a start of a transformative journey because when i was first enrolled I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk properly. Like, even though I was fucking getting awards in English literature, English language in Pakistan, you know, like my writing skills were top, you know, because when people usually come here, right, from different countries, especially Pakistan, stuff like that, they're enrolled in English as a second language 
language classes and stuff like that. But I didn't have to do any of that because Alhamdulillah, my writing skills were well developed and everything. And then I could go like literally like I did my freshman year, which was regular English, no ESL. And then English 10, sophomore year, I went to honors directly, you know. And so because I fucking loved, I fucking loved writing. I loved how to like, you know find adjectives and stuff like that being really good at grammar and stuff like that that was one of my strengths growing up and stuff you know so anyways did not have to do the esl option but couldn't talk bro motherfucker couldn't talk and uh i remember i couldn't even converse with people just because they would ask me to repeat myself two times at least two times you know minimum two times like um i was like uh, xyz right saying xyz and they're like oh could you go again um could you like repeat yourself again like that became such a fucking troublesome part that I would be like almost scared to talk to people, you know? And then um, it was that culture shock as well. And then like, obviously like say you meet another person, right? And then obviously we have the culture that, okay, introduce themselves, right? Like, hey, this is XYZ, this is my friend from here, or this is Salman, he just came from Pakistan, whatever, whatever, you know, and then introduce them. And then have like a sort of graduated exposure thing where, okay, you're building relationships with students in class or something like that. No, motherfucker was isolated, bro. I remember being isolated in all of my classes. Sometimes all in the entire class, I was the only brown person, you know, and then it's just like people had their own friends from kindergarten from elementary school from middle school over here and then they just like when people teacher would say like get into groups and stuff they would just get into their own groups and i wouldn't have a group to like go off so i would have to like you know do my own projects and stuff like that sometimes i would be working with like a random group they would be talking their own shit you know um i did not have someone to converse and, and stuff like that so um a lot of times you know would sit uh alone at lunch and everything and it was just crazy um and I remember uh, in like a sort of short time, um, there was this one girl that, you know, like she's kind of like, you know, she was kind to me or something like that, you know, um, allowed me to sit at her, not allowed, but she just invited me to like sit at her lunch table or something like that. And it was like the first sort of um, uh, sort of what's it called? The approach to kindness or something like that because nobody has had shown like kindness or interest in me or like you know just been interested or like okay let me talk to this dude right and uh uh i'm not gonna mention her i made the fucking uh, mistake of mentioning her and i wrote about her and stuff like that it was a whole fucking journey and i wrote did that on my spam account and that got memed by multiple people so let's not get into the names but um that was like really, really, really special to me and stuff. And then obviously I was continuing my academics. Academics I found so easy, you know. I was like, fuck, this is chem? Bro, this is like second grade chem. I could do that shit easy, you know. And then English, you know, English was easy too. Mathematics was amazing because this was one of the biggest like things. It was not a culture shock. It was like, yo, like I was studying mathematics under like such a bad sort of... um educational standard in Pakistan and you know, now like this structure is amazing that they have here with like you know uh, geometry algebra algebra 2 um fucking uh, pre-calc and everything like that right so like it was like taught from like a really basic level and they gradually built up there were resources there were like you know um word time you could like you know go to like different um teachers tutors fuck not you know like fucking resources and shit a lot of things so um you know that really helped me in math and stuff um there were language classes that i had to take and obviously like i slowly got to that loved uh you know the my spanish class mrs Clemec was amazing um and so like f 
like just from like the start of my um journey in high school in the United States it was really hard like adapting especially to the social standards and everything and uh, I tried to immerse myself as much as possible but sometimes like there would be like certain gaps and stuff where I couldn't like you know function in those areas um really developed like social anxiety too so I'd not want to like you know just um approach anyone or anything like that and uh that was like a problem so like we're gonna talk about that problem much later on and how i get rid of and everything but anyways um couldn't talk to elizabeth <laughs> fuck i said her name i'm gonna probably cut that out but um couldn't talk to the person who invited me at lunch and stuff like that i remember there was this um one uh um one girl in my science class her name was um i forgot her name bro say well we're just gonna say her name was um fuck what is a cliche i don't know yeah her name was janae right her name is janae met her in science class right and she comes up to my lunch table one day and she's like yo uh and she she comes she's seen me in bio class before and then she comes sits on my table and then she's trying to talk to me and stuff like that i'm just head down looking at my lunch you know because i have fucking social anxiety and i don't know what to say to her and shit and she's she's trying to talk to me and did you do the bio homework and stuff like that <laughs> i'm not responding properly right so like her friend who was standing by her gets frustrated <coughs> gets frustrated and says he ugly man leave him he ugly so like i'm like shit man <laughs> i'm getting this done at my face bro shit couldn't do anything about it though fuck i was just sitting there you know by myself um and then she just leaves um and then i had her in like you know future classes and shit too um but obviously i you know, did not contact her, approach her or whatever. <clears throat> Sophomore year happens. And the fucking problem was I did not have all my records from Pakistan, my educational records. And so they pushed me back. Even though like, I got my all my educational records after a certain time, they still pushed me back saying like I did not have, I was like younger, you know, so like I was going to place in like ninth grade, you know, like fuck man, I have the education records, even though I'm younger, like put me forward you know so like when i la later on went to like glenbard east which was at other high school in lombard you know like this was a whole part of a different journey when i went there they took in all my credits and i was able to graduate high school early but that happens much later on so stay tuned right um sophomore year right um happens and then i sort of uh, my mom would always tell me, yo, these are, they're these Daisy kids, South Asian kids, right? Like they're similar to you, like go out and play with them. They're playing soccer and stuff like that. Did not want to ever like approach them or anything like that. So afraid of that. Right. So, um, did not do that. But I remember like people started coming up to me a little bit, little, you know, in like high school and like, you know, tried talking to me and stuff like that. So like slowly I was coming out of my shell and then in my community, in my community in Walla Park in Illinois, there's like a lot of South Asian people, right? South Asian Muslim people. So like a lot of like common identities. Um, one day, so like these two uh, motherfuckers stopped me, you know, they just invite me to their car. We like, you know, there's talking South Asian people. I'm not going to name them who are there, but I'm friends with only one of them now. Um, but they stopped me. We're talking about bullshit and we're talking about girls and stuff like that. You know, just wrong normal shit that a person like, you know, just talks about. <laughs> so we're talking about all that shit. Uh, we, you know, like and like this is like social exposure 
to me after like a long time. So like, you know, I'm appreciating that. And um, I talk with them and then they invite me to like a much larger friend group, you know, which is full of like South Asians, most different Muslims and stuff like that. And uh, I appreciate that, you know, like, and then I finally like, you know, get out of my shell and like start exploring my sort of social circles again. And uh, I would be sitting them at the library, you know, and then I met like, you know, one, one of my best friends too, through another like mutual friend. And it was a whole like good journey after that, you know, just because I had like so much social um social sort of interaction um also i remember during that time uh shit it slipped out of my mind bro fuck mm-hmm. yeah i remember my sisters had no fucking problem adapting to their um you know classrooms or anything like that in, in middle school maybe because they went to like a all like they did not go to like an all boys high school you know like you have to also remember that i was coming from an all boys high school dynamic now into like a mixed school where i was not uh, exposed to these dynamics before so it was a different game for me you know um so it was hard to adapt and maybe people are just kinder in middle school you know their kids they have an easier time like you know getting along with each other I did not in high school, you know, all the motherfuckers isolated me. If you're watching these motherfuckers isolated me, bro, I'm not lying. Even though I did not approach them myself or anything like that, but like heavy sense of isolation, right? I don't know. Fuck with that. And then that obviously diminished after I found my social circle, after I found my people, you know, um, within my own community and everything. And we were going to high school together. Sophomore years ends, right? Now, not sophomore year did not end, right? So like latter half of the sophomore year, um, there's some shit in Pakistan that happens and my family has to go back to Pakistan, right? And then they have to take my sisters too and then they have to take me too. They're technically, they have te- technically have to take me too back to Pakistan Um, and uh, uh, like, they're like planning on coming on later time and uh, I'm not okay with that because I was so infatuated with this country. I was so attached. I was like, so, like, I was growing. I was flourishing. I was thriving in the educational systems here. You know, I had I met these people who were trying to get into Ivy Leagues and stuff like that. I was on the same grind. I wanted to get into Ivy Leagues. I wanted to, like, you know, get the best grades and stuff like that. I'm slowly building up towards that, you know, because um, that was, like, that sort of became my passion. And uh, I did not want to sort of go back and face the same bullshit again, same bad educational systems and everything and same sort of fucking family political drama whatever the fuck it was i did not want to like immerse myself into that again so um you know i was talking to one of my best friends about it and you know next day what happens is like he talked it over with his family and he's like yo like you know you don't have to go like you could just come live with us and i was like damn that's that's just seemed impossible and i was like so surprised and everything and uh, it was like a huge shock to me and uh i was so thankful and like everything and i don't even believe it at first but i talked over with my parents and everything and they said you could you know if like um it's fine by them and everything so our parents met everybody met they were fine with it. Um, my parents had to leave in a hurry and stuff. There was some property shit that was going on. You know, it's always that property shit that makes them go back, bro. Um, need for materialism, need for more power, need for money, need for wealth. We're going to talk about that in a much later podcast, you know, investigate those topics. Anyways, they go back. I started living with my best friend. You know, I'm going to not name any names here, but um, it was an interesting journey. Um, and I remember I first started work. 
uh, at Safari Land, which is a local amusement park here. And uh, he, my friend used to also work there and stuff. So we would go to work together and stuff like that. And uh, during this time, I had like, like almost no finances. I had some finances from this sort of like uh, work that I had as like, you know, data entry specialist. Um, I was like almost a project manager there. It was like a telepsychiatry sort of startup and stuff. And uh, I was like, you know, doing like compiling data. Then And I put all my friend group on, bro. I'm not even lying. Like I got this, like my dad's employer had this sort of startup. And then, you know, he sort of wanted like, you know, people to work for him and stuff like that my dad put me on be like yo like you know you can work for him and stuff like that and then he needed like more employees to you know like sort of it was like sort of contract work you know that you could just work and you could just get paid like bi-weekly weekly whatever you know it was like compiling different states data and um from like different like you know for about like different psychiatrists and stuff because you want to like bring up or bring them upon this like sort of virtual model um this virtual like sort of sort of tele psychiatry consulting um but anyways i was compiling all the data you know checking that for validation sending it over to like the actual owner of the company and you know sort of constantly communicating with people and then so there were like no employees except me and then the people that I put on. So like basically, you know, these were just people in my high school, in my community and stuff like that. I'm like, yo, this is this job is paying like eight dollars an hour or ten dollars an hour. You know, you could just like come work on this and like you just have to compile different states. It's not like hard work. It's just online work. You could do it from anywhere. You know, they were decent with the idea you know because it's like meant some extra cash and stuff like that so i remember at least 10 to 12 people you know and uh they were like you know working on different states and stuff like that. i was like okay you're doing texas you know you're doing like richmond all that um so it was definitely you know interesting um after that ended after a while because he looks like i just compiled compile the data and he wanted to launch, launch his startup um and uh anyway so that job sort of ended and obviously like you know i spent some of it on like you know new shit for myself just because i would never get like shit from family you know like no money from family like no like money for devices or like you know just personal stuff for myself like i would had i've always had to do shit on my own and that's something that's that's like a sort of trend you guys are going to see in like later on in my sort of um the topics that i um sort of talk about in like much later parts of this podcast um okay so anyways um you know get my first phone with all that money and like you know get other stuff um and what happens is like okay so capitals almost started to run out when i moved in with my friend um you know so i was working as a pilot earning some bank there you know it's not like a lot but it was like what 12 per hour no 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 no, not even that like probably like nine something per hour we were earning at that time working at the local amusement park (laughs) so this is where this interesting shit happens right um uh it was like a lot of like uh um basically like people of hispanic descent working there and stuff and uh, like i the way i had my haircut and everything at that time i looked hispanic as well you know like a lot of people would ask me to start talking to me in spanish i'll be like oh are you like you know are of hispanic descent or something like that like, i would always tell them no like you know like i don't know where you got that from but they're like oh you look the part you know so uh what happened was like there were like two three people there was this one person first you know first when i came there and then you know she was attracted to me and stuff like that you know and then she that there was another dude who was interested in her and stuff like that and um she would be obviously be like you know unnecessarily kind to me and stuff like that helping me out with my duties you know when i was first coming and she was like training me and stuff like that too one time this dude pulls me you know um 
towards the back and he's like yo like i'm interested in her don't fuck with her you know like <laughs> she's mine and shit like that just being like you know uh, jealous and like sort of immature way and stuff like that like motherfucker i'm not even making no attempts you know <laughs> so and at that time of my social anxiety was still going on so like obviously i was appreciating the kindness i was able to hold conversations i was rapidly progressing but it was not like oh yeah i just want to jump in you know at all costs here so anyways i was not doing a lot and uh um that happens. I'm still living with my friend and everything, you know, there, his family was really kind to me, you know, like I was, was really, uh, you know, well-fed and everything. They never charged me anything, you know, for anything, like nothing for rent, nothing for food or anything like that, you know, all this was well-fed and that, that, that is something like, you know, that I'm always thankful uh, to his family for. Um, but it was a really like, you know, well display of kindness and everything and uh like one of the days his dad was talking to me and he said that you know he faced a sort of similar situation in his life and that's why he wanted to help me out and everything and i really appreciated it right so anyways um two months fly by third month flies by and now they have to go on like a sort of vacation on like their spring break and uh, i have nowhere to live with right so like i cannot live alone in the house for like a week um at least they thought it was not like you know not proper like you know not like they weren't comfortable with it right obviously so um i had to find another place you know and then i mean they would ask me questions like oh my like where are you gonna like are your family coming back you know like where are you gonna go from here and stuff like that obviously like wild questions that anybody would ask like because my dad told them that you know like he was gonna come back in like three four months five six months whatever and like he was gonna like you know I would be like living with them again and stuff like that. But the property issues were still going on. My dad couldn't leave the country, right? Um, but there was pressure growing from this side as well because obviously it was like only like a two-bedroom apartment. And I was I used to be like sleeping on the couches, um, you know, uh, that they had. And like I had to just adapt there and stuff like that. But that obviously like disrupted their privacy and everything too. So um it was like, okay, like, when are, is your family coming back or something like that? And I would ask my dad, like, yo, like, when are you coming back and everything? He tried to, like, he was like, I could ask my other friends who you could live with or something like that. You know, he tried doing that. Nobody was comfortable with that because obviously I was not providing any gratification to them. Um, and neither I was here, but obviously they were kind enough to, like, let me stay and stuff. And then this was a really hard time for me just because I was like, okay, maybe if my dad doesn't come back, maybe if they kick me out and stuff like that, where am I going to go? You know, I have to, like, I was constantly looking up homeless shelters at this time. I was just, like, what, like, barely 15 at that time, you know, 15, 16 at that time. And I was looking up homeless shelters and stuff. I'm like, yo, I don't know where to go and stuff like that. Um, I was hitting up local shelters in my neighborhood in Chicago and stuff like that. I was like, what is going to become of my education? I have all these high goals and stuff like that. Had no resources, you know, and it, would be, it was like at such a young age, I feel like I was subjected to like a lot of pressure at that time just because I like for the first time, I mean, not for the first time, but like for like a significant time um you know i had like no security i did not know where i was going and i did not want to go to pakistan so what happens is they have to go away for spring break you know and uh i cannot be alone so i have to um ask my um my mom's sister who i couldn't live with you know like i have not been able to live with them. Like they're not okay with me living with them um, during this whole time, right? Like when I'm being left alone with my by my parents or whatever. So I, um, you know, I have no chance, no choice, but to like, you know, live with them for the spring break and maybe I can go back after or whatever, I don't know. So I start, I come back there, you know, to their house and 
they're kind of now okay with me being there and stuff like that. And then my aunt would be like constantly coming to me every day, feeling like, like, yo, what's going to become of you? You know, your parents are not here. What are you going to do and stuff like that? You should just go back, you know, just constantly pressuring me. And then six, seven day hits is like, okay. So my mom knew of all these things and that were happening and stuff. And she had her own problems with like, you know, just like me being in such an insecure place and everything. And like, she couldn't deal with that. So like, you know, she would just constantly tell my dad, you know, just convince me to like come back or something like that. I don't know. You know, it was a bunch of shit going on at that time. And, um, so what happens is, um, six, seven day hits. And then my uncle, um, you know, that I, previously used to always like also like live with him in Pakistan um you know in the John film system before that I talked about earlier in this podcast um I he sort of said that you can come back to Pakistan you know I'm gonna pay for the flight ticket and then I know you want to be independent you want to you're individualistic and everything you want to like make your own money and everything you can do that I'm gonna give you a job at my company as well you can work for me and stuff like that make your own bank and you know like when later on your family um, you know, it's all stable and it's like they can come back and, you know, they have the because there was like property issues going on. My mom's job was going on. She just couldn't leave that off the bat, you know, um, when all those issues are resolved, you can, you know, come back or whatever. So I'm like, OK, I don't have any other choice. I've already, you know, like burdened my hosts, you know, enough, um, even my aunt and even my best friend's family and everything. So, like, you know, I, I just do not have a choice. I have to go back. I go back and then I put these stories on my Snapchat that, you know, I have no other choice and people are like, you know, giving me all kinds of assurance that can't you like live more with your friend or like something like this or that. And I had no choice. I just had to go back, bro. Like there was no other thing I could do. So, so basically, um, you know, on the way back to Pakistan, the flight back, I'm really depressed and I'm like, damn, bro, all my dreams are gone. These Ivy League dreams are gone. These everything is gone. You know, my American dream is dead. I literally put a story on my Snapchat. American dream is dead, bro. And um, it was really bad. You know, it was a really bad time for me. Um, but I was kind of relieved too that I was like I did not have to be homeless no more. You know, like I actually had a home now and stuff like that. And I had like literally people. I had like my friends. Some of the motherfuckers like made fun of me. Like, like oh, you homeless and stuff. Or you could just come live in my yard or come live in my den or something like that. Like motherfucker, chill the fuck out, right? So, anyways, I go back to Pakistan. My uncle delivers what he whatever he promised. You know, he gave me a job. I was living um my old house again you know i was just so depressed to see all this fucking um all these problems around me all this drama around me all the pollution around me and everything and i was like nah bro like this is not it i don't care if my family's living here stuff like that i have to do something about it and like every single day i would be researching like crazy you know there were like these two three months that went by and then um you know i was enrolled again in the schooling system over there and like, you know, they did not just take me back. They were like, okay, you're going to have to give the exams. And if you had accepted in again, then we're going to take you back. Right. So I was in the process of, you know, sort of giving those exams and everything. And uh, that was depressing too, because I was going through the same fucked up educational system, you know, like the same bullshit ass maths. And uh, it was such a stressful thing. I did not have one to study that way. You know, I was like, fuck this shit, you know? And then I did a sort of exam and stuff like that. And these motherfuckers, you know, they gave me such low marks in English and stuff like that, such low marks in mathematics. And I'm like, bro, I had like twice the marks in the system, in the education system in the US, you know? Like, what the fuck am I doing here, you know? Like, I'm not even being rewarded for my hard work and shit. So 
I did not want to study there at all. Um, constantly, I was like tired and I was researching every day. I, I'm like, bro, I need to get out of here some way or the other. You know, I had just enough money, you know, to like basically get a flight ticket to, you know, the United States back. Right. I had my, still my bank account and everything. Um, and what happens is um, there was this one person named Pilar. Right. And she was she reached out to me like I was posting a lot on like Facebook, Reddit everywhere that if there's some policy, because I was still a minor at that time. That was the biggest problem that I'm not even 18. If I go, do I still have rights? Am I going to be in the foster care system or something like that? And that was something that my mother was concerned about, too, that if you go back, you're going to be like, you know, sort of taken by the foster care system. You're going to be living with these adoptive parents or whatever. Like, you know, she did not want me to go through all that. And uh um, you know, I was constantly re researching on minors' rights, if I could get, like, emancipation or something like that. Um, did not know what to do until, like, you know, Pilar, like, one of these people that I met, she was a great resource. She said that, you know, she went through similar shit herself, but, like, she enrolled herself in a high school. She completed her, her graduation and everything. And, you know, um, I could still, like, come back and do all of that and not be, like, troubled by DCFS or be troubled by any governmental agency. Um, and, you know still have rights and then once i turn 18 then it's not even like a problem for anything like that so i listened to her she gave me a lot of like you know psychological comfort as well be like okay you're gonna be able to do it you're gonna be comfortable and stuff like that so what i did now was like okay who's gonna take me in right where am i gonna live like okay i can pay like month rent monthly rent and stuff like that i can make my own money once i get there and stuff like that. i can work right but how am i gonna get there and where am I going to live? So I started hitting up like, you know, roommates, different like, you know, these groups on Facebook where you could find roommates and where you could like, you know, find people to live with and stuff like that. Some of the people were completely out of my budget, right? But then I found like a group of people, they were like UIC grad school people, they were living together and stuff. And the rent for that was like 600 a month. I was like, okay, I can work that, you know, maybe like be able to come up with that and I'll be able to like go there. And so I was like, okay, I found my way. Fuck what everybody thinks. Fuck what, like, literally people do whatever they want to say to me. I'm just going to go, right? Because I wanted to go. I touted it, like, sort of, like, mentioned this idea to a couple of my relatives, family members, uncles, whatever. They were like, bro, you're not going to be able to make it. You know, you're just a stupid ass idea. Don't do it, right? Uh, I remember going on, like, a, so, like, I booked my flight. I booked my flight told my dad you know he wasn't talking to me at that time because he was such shocked to him my mom i told her and stuff like that she took some time to like sort of process it as well because obviously i was still a minor taking this huge step whose parents was gonna just allow them to do that step you know um just out of nowhere so um you know i had i had everything booked i told them that i had roommates that i could live with and everything and i was gonna take the step no matter what you know I was, I was just headstrong, you know, and that's one of the things that you have to be in life. You have to be headstrong in whatever fucking decision you're taking. Take that decision. You're on your own. You know, you just have to trust yourself and God. And that's it. That's all you need, bro. You don't need the validation of your parents, of your family members, of your uncles, that bitch who doesn't take off you. Fuck everybody, bro. That's what it's about. Anyways. Um, I <laughs> was a lot, but still <laughs> shit. Um, I booked my flight i had the agreement with the roommates that i was gonna come live with them you know pay them 600 a month and uh, i was gonna go to the school in the city somewhere so like this the place where these apartments were located is these were the scio apartments near a uh, uic west campus in chicago um and uh it's always like you know so fun walking by those apartments now and like you know sort of reminiscing those times because th those times were like you know really troublesome um anyways before going coming to the United States again. Uh, I went on this trip 
towards the northern areas and towards like you know Punjab where my other relatives reside and everything and uh, they knew of this shit that was gonna happen and I was gonna go back on my own and stuff like that I was just a kid at that time you know obviously and they told me bro you're not gonna be able to survive you're gonna waste your money and everything you're gonna just come back you know and then you're not gonna have success in this just like don't go don't go everybody was saying don't go I was like fuck you man I'm still gonna go I'm gonna find a way out you know I don't care <laughs> so literally I could have listened to them and not went and I could have been in a completely different place but I still like you know trusted myself trusted God and took the leap of faith so basically mid-semester hits October October is when I sort of like book my tickets again for the United States and you know I'm here I'm here back again in Chicago, you know, Uber all the way to these SCIO apartments, meet these uh, roommates, you know, and then I had to figure out now how to like live by myself because before at my best friend's house, I was still getting food and everything, you know, but here now to like prepare food i had to like learn to cook food i had to like you know i remember the first day i like cooked my own eggs i bought my like i bought like you know my frying pan everything that i still have from then and then i would cook tea and everything there was the 7-eleven right downstairs and i got like a i became like a huge fan of pumpkin spice latte it was like fall time at that time and uh I was drinking that and, you know, I was like getting like bagels and shit, croissants, like a few desserts. I was like just living on like a few items and like a little bit of food. I did not know how to like cook a lot and stuff like that. Anyways, tried researching up schools because obviously within this whole thing, I was prioritizing my education. That was the biggest reason that I came back. I was like, I have to get my Ivy League, you know, I have to get my Ivy League shit in. I have to go to college here again in the United States. You know, I have to like really get my education and, uh, I was researching up schools, but then, you know, there was this whole problem with CPS schools and everything was far away. I would have to take the CTA and everything, um, you know, did not have the stability that I would have in the suburbs and everything. So I talked to my friend that I would live, that I used to live with before. I'm like, okay, well, I want to come back to the suburbs, you know, the schools over there are much more stable, safer, you know, and I could have like a better education there and not worry about as much as rent, you know, because 600 a month was still at that time, like was a you know, a lot more for me. Even if I was saying like $50, if I was saving $100, that would still meant the world to me. So I told them to like, you know, look into the mosques, um, advertisements, you know, people like sometimes put like a room for rent or something like that, look into that and tell me like if I can, you know, come uh, live out there in the suburbs if someone has a room or something. So everybody was searching, you know, uh, many of my friends, and then they told me of this room that they had in Lombard and where I could come and live on my own. It was like a room in the basement. And uh, so I was like, okay, I talked to the landlord and everything. I was like, okay, I'm gonna just come there, got all my stuff together, my suitcase and everything. And then my best friend like, you know, drove me there to that place. So came there and then the owner of this house, they had like other tenants living on the uh, actual, living in the actual house, but the basement was for rent. Like, you know, and the, I mean, the upper place was rent, like the actual house was for rent as well, but obviously that did not have any space. So like, I obviously had to occupy the basement. There was another, it was two rooms in the basement. And I had this like 30 year old, 40 year old roommate. It was 40 year old, 40 year old roommate. He was still trying to do PA after failing so many times. And this motherfucker troubled the fuck out of me. He was like, Ah, it was a really difficult time. This motherfucker was like, he was cruel. He was like, you know, mean as hell. And he would like, you know, just trouble me about simple things. Um, and then this was a difficult situation to live in just because there was like, there was some laundry sort of things right by like right in the house but whenever i would use them like you know the tenants would get like you know super sort of mad that i was using their electricity and everything and uh even though 
like they weren't paying the bills or something like that. The actual owner was so like, I don't know what the fuck was the problem was there. Um, but um, I started living there and like, you know, start like enrolled myself in high school. So Glen Buddy's high school was almost like a mile away from me. It was exactly a mile away. That's why I had to walk a mile every day. I couldn't get the bus because it was exactly a mile. So um enroll myself and then the vice principal the assistant principal of the school tells me that even though i'm enrolling myself and you know he heard about my journey and everything and he thought that i was really courageous and everything but he said that i still have to sort of like you know uh, he still has to like report me to the dcfs just because it's his obligation and everything and you know even though they might not do anything with it you know so he sort of um tells the DCS, DCFS and everything and but nothing ever happened you know nothing ever happened they didn't contact me or anything like that so now I'm like you know basically working and living on my own and stuff like that and uh, I remember I would do all my groceries from Dollar Tree there were these like one dollar um, small like you know uh, fettuccine Alfredo like sort of things and then uh, small like mac and cheese sort of boxes like just like literally one dollar box that you could warm up and eat and th those were like w mostly what I lived off on and uh you know i learned to like cook like uh meat and stuff in the oven like my landlord sort of showed me i would cook my eggs and everything i one time like i tried biryani or other rice dishes too that were like not really well uh you know it was not like uh the best thing that i cooked but fuck it you know it was some, whatever <laughs> it was good at that time right uh, so while the, all this was happening, um, I was hyper focused on my education. I was like, bro, I need to get to Ivy Leagues. You know, I applied to all the Ivy Leagues, Common App and everything. Um, applied to Harvard, Stanford, Princeton, you know, Northwestern, applied to Loyola. Not Loyola was not Ivy League, but I applied to like local colleges as well, because obviously um, I had to keep my backups in Loyola, DePaul, UIC, UIUC. And uh Start the application process. So, like, when I transferred my credits in from Pakistan to this school, Glen Bardis, they took all my credits and, you know, everything transferred over. So, actually, like, I was on the path of graduating early. You know, even though my advisor was like, nah, bro, you just take a gap year with your kind of situation. I would recommend you to, like, you know, take another year or, like, whatever, whatever. He just kept saying all these things, you know. But I was like, nah, bro, I'm just going to try to, like, you know, get out as soon as possible. I want to go to college. Because even while studying at high school, I was like, bro, what are these, like, you know, I did not just like the structure of high school. And you know? I just really wanted to go to uh, college, you know, as soon as possible. Now that I reflect upon it, if I had some sort of stability at that time, if I was not living on my own at that time, I would have liked to take like woods classes or automotive classes, you know, just like immersing myself in different crafts. So I could learn about these things. You know, these things are really important. Um, but, I, but I remember like AP bio, I remember like, you know, um, I took AP bio in my last year at Glen Bardis. I took uh, um, AP Lang. My AP Lang professor was amazing. You know, he recently died of cancer though. So like that was sad. Um, but AP bio, Miss Sable, um, um, what other AP classes? AP Gov, AP Gov was fucking amazing, bro. Best, one of the best classes I ever taken because fucking political system, the laws, the constitutions, I love that shit, bro. And then Mr. Grant was an amazing teacher. That's why I got a five on the AP Gov test because I fucking loved it so much. I was citing shit like crazy. I was like, yes, let's take this amendment. Let's take that court case and everything. You know, that's what solidified my, uh, you know, understanding of the American constitutional systems and everything. And that's still something I'm really passionate about. And, you know, it's going to make sense how my certain decisions are placed together, Um, you know, as soon like as this podcast sort of progresses. But 
anyways, um, took those classes, you know, it was really enjoyable process, applied to all the IVs, um, mostly the IVs and stuff, and local colleges as well. So like I had an interview with Harvard, I had an interview with Princeton, and I had an interview with Northwestern. These were the three like, you know, sort of Ivy sort of level schools that I had interviews with and uh, really well interviews and stuff like that, but ended up didn't ended up not getting into any of those. And uh, ended up getting into uh, ended up having a full ride to like UIC, Loyola, you know, DePaul, um, and uh, this one college in uh, was uh, USC, USC, University of Southern California. You know, um, but DePaul and uh, Loyola, these were like private colleges that did not give like full full rides. You know, there were like some scholarships, loans with loans and everything. It would be full rides, but I did not want to take loans. You know, just off the bat, just because I want to get into pre med at that time, and. Uh, I knew I had to take like schools loans for like med school later on. Anyways, um, you know, that happens. And um, um, I had full rights, you know, without no, without any loans to USC and UIC. Now I did not want to go to California because of the, like the high property cost and like how I would live there and everything, even though I could take a leap of faith and also that do that. But then now after a long time, there was some stability in my life. So I wanted to just cherish that and be like, okay, I'm gonna just go to UIC, you know, in the city, it's still a beautiful college, you know, still like, you know, great sort of um, subjects that I could learn there. A lot of great expertise I could have there, which I would doubt now, but <laughs> still made that decision. Alhamdulillah, you know, it's, it was still great. Um, so UIC, you know, the decision to UIC, the road to UIC happened. Now, my time here at this place in Lombard was up. So what happened was one of my other friends, um, who was one of my first friends um, at Willowbrook, um, the first high school that I went to in the United States, he said that, yo, I could like, you know, just come live out with his family for two, three months before I go to UIC, you know, just because he wanted me to like, you know, be like a little bit stable just before I went to UIC. He talked out with his family, his family was chill with it. You know, they didn't charge me no rent or anything like that either. It was just like, Alhamdulillah, because of these great people because these um you know like sometimes god just places blessings in your life places like people really kind people in your life that you do, do not even know where they came from where these things come from you know but god really takes care of you you know if you have the trust in him if you really like you know trying to progress yourself and do not mean harm to nobody god really helps you out you know so like that was something that i definitely saw in my journey and within even like you know within when i was even living by myself i remember my friends would sometimes come help me out with like you know iftars which were like you know uh, food and ramadan and stuff like that just like grocery shopping even though like i had my own like you know money for groceries and everything you know times were not that bad alhamdulillah during this entire journey of living on my own it was never that you know times got so bad that i was like you know down to a penny or down to like the last dollar or something like that like god always took care of my financial needs and everything um but obviously like you know homemade food would always be appreciated sometimes friends bought me groceries and everything you know like i can never forget those things obviously that, that meant really like you know a lot meant a lot to me um and especially in those sort of troubling times um but anyway so like i go to this friend's house live there for two months and um it's quite the journey. He was quite different from my other friends. And I was exposed to like a lot of like different, really like drastically different um, friend groups and everything. Um, and obviously we're going to talk about these Lombard friend groups uh, and uh, like a later podcast, you know. But anyways, this happens. And um, now those two months went away. Now is the time for UIC. So UIC, I found roommates um, there were like two Pakistani guys and three or four, four Yemeni guys. We had basically like a townhouse 
in Pilsen, uh, which was nearby Chicago. It was like uh, Halsted and 16th Street. So if you have UIC, there's um, you go uh, sort of north on Halsted. If you go straight down Halsted, um, I don't know if it's north, you know, please feel free to correct me. But if you go straight down on Halsted, there's Halsted, um, there's Halsted Maxwell, there's Halsted in 14th place, there's Halsted and 16th Street. So we lived on the 16th Street. It was a townhouse. Um, there were six people and there were three bedrooms. So we were splitting every bedroom in half. And, you know, there were like two people every room. So it was it was not that bad. But our room, me and my roommate, it, that was the smallest room. So we, like, we had to just make do with space. I remember the first day I went there, I had no mattress or anything like that. And I had to sleep on the floor. It was like the worst sleep of my life. And uh, um, I remember like just getting a mattress for $100 on Amazon. And even $100, bro, that meant like a lot at that time you know because i was you know obviously living on my own i was had taking no there was literally no help from my family members from pakistan you know nothing nothing zero dollars you know i was constantly like you know have to i had to like do shit on my own right so got that mattress and stuff and uh that was chill um did not have any other furniture and stuff um and that was the sort of process you know i was pre-med i was focused on medicine at that time going straight into college and the worst shit i did was like i took like um and a really like high level evolution course just coming into college you know just my first semester and i shouldn't have done that even though other people who were freshmen still did it but like i was coming off of it like no sort of like you know real like knowledge uh and like greater background within that topic and i got my first c in that class and that was a big l to me just because bro like it was a c like entire high school i had a fucking all like a's literally entire high school had a grades bro like i had like a 4.4 gp on a 5.0 scale um you know uh or on like a 4.0 scale i had like a 4.4 just because of the ap classes and everything Not, nothing to brag about but like you know it was like good a's for me but now it was college it was real shit you know you're graded for the correct answer not just for your performance and your effort you know and then i gotta see i was so depressed about it and i remember like crying through the first chemistry class and like other shit that i couldn't figure out and everything i was like nah bro this is not for me you know like and then not just because of that like i could have like you know went through all that because i loved biology i still like wanted to do medicine and everything but then i realized and then i f figured out the capitalist healthcare system which takes advantage of poor clients and everything and that completely went against what i want to pursue medicine for you know and obviously people could have different sides on this argument and everything but that sort of like you know changed the side for medicine for me and um so basically, um, you know, I want to either go into CS, computer science, or, you know, want to go into like a sort of business field. And that's when I found IDS, which was information design sciences, both business analytics and management information systems. I was like, bro, I love this shit. I love Excel. I love statistics. I love how data is visualized and everything. And I love project management and everything, you know, so it was a really great sort of um, uh, sort of appeal to me. And I went with it. And uh, so at this time, I also signed up for like a social anxiety research study. So there was these research studies in uh, psychology you know, from the psychology department in UIC. And they had like openings and stuff, you know, and then I called them and told them about my situation and everything. And then, then that sat right for their research needs and everything. So I started doing research with them. And then there were like two paths to the research. One was like cognitive behavioral therapy and one was supportive therapy. Supportive therapy is basically like, you know, you go to the re uh, psychologist and you just talk. You just basically there. They ask you what's on your mind and you just talk. And and sometimes that talk can go as deep and deep into like, you know, basically delving into your traumas, delving into like, you know, your psychological factors going in as a child. And that gives you a lot of like 
awareness about yourself as well and then with that awareness you can educate yourself like okay these are the different things that are happening to me or happen to me and this is because of this and then cause effect and all that helps to understand a lot about yourself and uh so coming back to the research study part, right, I took the psychology class and I was able to draw like a lot of parallels between those psychological factors, you know, that might have contributed to my own sort of social anxiety, my own sort of like, you know, uh, how I went about certain things in my life. Um, and uh, that was really interesting. And I could like sort of conquer my own anxiety by educating myself, being more aware of it. And that's the whole, I, I don't know if this is the whole point of so supportive therapy, but it definitely helped. Um, anyways, uh, the six month sort of part of so supportive therapy goes. And then during this, I was doing a bunch of experiments as well, where, you know, it's like a, a lot of like computer coded programs where you like, you know, press this or like, you know, react to certain images and um, you have to press like certain uh, buttons or something like that. Even within the psychology class, there were these studies that you could complete and like, you know, they give you like some stimuli and like they, they measure how your mind affects, uh, reacts to it and everything. Excuse me. Um, and during that supportive therapy sort of process um, for my research study, I was also, you know, undergoing MRIs. I was undergoing um, other psychological sort of tests and stuff, other like neurological tests on my brain and everything. And that was sort of key to like, you know, understanding my own self. And then six months go by. Then next six months, I had cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. I was like, you know, working with a, a psychologist who was specifically trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. And, uh, you know, it was cognitive behavioral therapy is all about like different tasks you could take, right? So it's like graduate exposure, basically, like, okay, you can't talk to a stranger. So like, you know, talk to this person before talk to this and then have those uh, you know graduated steps towards building up that interaction and everything you know since since my social anxiety was kind of bad you know obviously there had to be these things but it gradually got better alhamdulillah and like now it almost has faded away and uh i remember it was still there like at the time when i had like you know roommates and stuff like that and i couldn't just converse with them and stuff like that couldn't find common ground but after a while i could a little bit but it was not like you know the same same thing that i would have with maybe um people that I had more like sort of common ground with you know it was just like definite difficult doing that with like strangers and stuff and sometimes you know like other people would tell me stuff about you know like a certain person what what a certain person said and stuff and like if i knew of their hidden agendas i was like what is the, the even like worth of like you know sort of interacting with this person stuff like that not in the context of my roommates but in the context of other people so Anyways, my roommates were amazing. You know, they were really crying. They would sometimes give me food and stuff like that. There are other stuff that we would do and stuff. It's just not like, you know, going to be mentioned on the camera. Start of 2021 is like when my family returns to the United States. And uh, um, I had to come back and live with them. And I've, I've been living here ever since in Villa Park and stuff. And now I had to like, you know, uh, undertake different responsibilities and stuff. You know, obviously I was grown up and everything. And it was nice living with them after so long and again but like you know it meant also like taking away the taking away of like you know my complete freedom and everything and like my limitless freedom and everything where i was just like you know living on my own doing everything on my own it was like a lot of responsibility right so like that shaped my mind and everything and um now just living with parents again it was like hard to adapt at first but you know I could find, like, I f slowly found like a balance between like my own freedom and my own, like, you know, what I wanted to do. And then also like undertaking family responsibilities and everything. So that was that. Um, 
And then obviously I had like my old friends and stuff like that from UIC, from different parts um, of Chicago and stuff that I like carried on into this journey as well. And then I was still meeting and stuff, made new friends, you know, and then went on this like period of like, you know, new sort of, especially after that research study ended and everything, it helped me like socialize with a lot of people. Alhamdulillah, like, you know, now I can make connections easily and everything. And that really like, um, you know, I feel like really passionate about doing that just because new connections opened me up to new journeys, new opportunities, new everything, bro. Like people, communication and everything, like communication is so amazing. And then also one key part that I left out in my journey um, was a public speaking class. So when I was in Willowbrook High School, right, I took this public speaking class speech. It was like uh, required for um, all the people that went to high school. And um, some people would take the speech in tech option. But some people just just take regular speech. So I took regular speech. And even though my best friend was in that class, we sat in a different place and everything. And then uh, it was like assigned seating, right? And then we had to like do those speeches. Sometimes the first one was an impromptu speech, you know? And then I was really scared. I never done public speaking before. You know, I was always, especially growing up in Pakistan and stuff, my teachers, the teacher would never give me public speaking opportunities just because they thought that I was too shy. I was like too cornered and everything. I was too isolated, too introverted and everything. I was like just too too stupid, not underconfident to do public speaking, you know. So they would never give me those opportunities, never had those skills developed. Anyways, do then I take that class in Willowbrook and problem to class and everything. And you know, uh I was really scared going to my first speech. I remember me and my friend like sort of rehearsed um, you know, different topics for our speech, like, okay, if this is our topic, what are we gonna speak upon? And we need to know like how to like come up with a lot of stuff out of thin air, you know, when this topic comes and uh, um how are we going to manage like looking at the people and everything? And he's like, bro, I don't even give a fuck about the people. Just go there and speak your mind, you know? And that's what I exactly did. And I, that's why I fucking love public speaking now, you know? I took like another speech class at Glenbard East after that, just because it was uh, not transferred over. And then fucking amazing. I fucking compiled that those speeches with instrumental music, with cinematic music, had like so many artistic elements to it. And I added to that in such a powerful way that it made my public speaking really amazing. And then taking another speech class at UIC, just because there was uh, sort of required for my like business curriculum that was equally amazing too you know and then just talking about stuff and then making those because i love powerpoints you know i love like making those powerpoints really interactive and um sort of um really insightful and everything with knowledge with artistic elements with clip art with like my own photographic elements and everything it was a great journey anyways um Oh, I forgot to like mention also, uh, you know, my photography journey, right? So like, this is something that that was really core to me, uh, you know, while, um, while growing up, even in Pakistan, I remember like ninth, tenth grade, I got the camera and stuff, you know, started doing photo shoots on my friends and stuff, you know, was limited to that, right? But then we, I even like partnered with my best friend in Pakistan and stuff to start like, you know, this um photo photography company and stuff. But before it could like grow to anything bigger. Um, you know, I love for the US and then when I first came to the US and stuff, I did not know like how to do it on like professional scale. So I was just like doing it with my best friend, like my best friend over here, who I also lived with and everything. He was really passionate about photography too, and his own camera and everything. And um you know, we would go on photo shoots and everything. So that was really nice. We did that for so long. We delved into abandoned places while we were at UIC, you know, took pictures of that. Um we down like we went on like a month long trip to the western US, you know, that was one of the really huge transformative journeys of my life as well. It's because I got to meet so many pe different people from all over the world, people from Japan, bro. I'd never thought that I, I would meet like a person from Japan, a random hostel in San Francisco, but that happened. And um, seeing so many different 
landscapes all around the u.s that's what opened my mind up you know i'm like bro i fucking love traveling i love seeing all these things mountains forests i'm all about that right so really love doing that as well that was like literally what 2011 was literally last year you know summer of last year and uh so as life progresses that's the like one thing i've learned like you have to be headstrong in whatever you're doing like literally just trust yourself trust god and take the leap of faith you know that's all you need and other than that like one of the one of the biggest things that research study and other occurrences in my life taught me that you have to be really self-aware you know and self-accountable for yourself there's some shit that you're doing that you may not be aware of you know and you like destructive mechanisms in your life are built around that are built around your lack of self-awareness are built built around your lack of self-accountability so do not trust your tr treat yourself like the absolute best and stuff like that we all have our flaws and everything yes be confident take every fucking step and conquer every single thing but at the end of the day do not hurt people do not hurt things do not hurt like situations where you know you know you can control those things you know and obviously this is a lesson for myself as well but then within my transformative transformative journey one thing that i kind of fell off with right now and like you know gradually i started off with that a little bit when i was finding my spirituality and everything i delved into going to jamaats and stuff you know which is something that you do um you know uh, like some people do it as a part of like you know being a muslim and stuff like that like certain muslim like guru jamaat and stuff like that they focus on their own building their own spiritual selves there and you know like focusing on the betterment of others as well you know just like a sort of dual process i fell off from that and then we have a whole different um you know story about that that we'll talk about later but one of the most important things that i learned there is that one for your brother that you want for yourself you know and another thing is that we, we don't we just don't we just we are so gratified around our own egos and around our, around our own nuffs that we always want the best for ourselves but <laughs> for someone else we're not going to want that, you know, it's like insanely competitive sort of nature gets us. And then we're so wrapped around our own selves that it just becomes ridiculous at some point, you know. Um, but if you have self-awareness about that, you can tap out. You can tap out of that shit and be like, OK, you know, I need to just focus on building, building all of ourselves instead of just mine, you know. And then I, what I learned was Hukukulipa was the biggest, the fourth or fourth facet of their six points or whatever. And this was that if you've hurt someone, if you've hurt someone, if you've said something, done something that hurts another human being, you could be the most religious person out there. You could pray everything. You could pray your five daily prayers. You could pray extra prayers. You could do whatever is the best in spirituality in the terms of religion and everything, but you're not going to get forgiven on the judgment day. Another thing that, you know, sort of really um, was significant in my journey is that people will say anything. People will talk about anything. People are of different sort of, they come from different backgrounds. They come from different expertise. They come from different intellectual sort of capacities and capabilities, you know. At the end of the day, not even your parents are subject matter, matter experts on everything, you know. So... Yeah, obviously they have their own wisdom and stuff like that, but the wisdom is not based on statistical significance, you know, statistical significance is only based on, on your own research. So like do your own research, you know, it's based on research that exists out there and everything. So like, do not just listen to someone and take the action just from that. You just heard like, okay, this person said X, Y, Z. Now you're going to like become X, Y, Z just based on one person. Nah, bro. They're not even credible. They're not even subject matter experts on that, you know? So like, you don't not, you're not like aware of who you're listening to. And if you are, then 
then take the decision based on that and then always have second opinions and stuff you know like from different people and stuff that's why people have second opinions from doctors and stuff too because they don't want to get like a crazy procedure that's just gonna that's just one person has recommended you know so it's always <clears throat> this thing that you should trust yourself and your own research and your own understanding of things you know and not just like be blinded don't blind don't like trust and like sort of believe people and be blinded with whatever their statements or perspectives are just off the bat, you know, have some sort of critical thinking sort of process built into it. And, um, that has, that is something that has led a lot of my conversation, a lot of my interactions too. I know if someone's bullshitting me, like if someone's bullshitting me, bro, come on, like I'm a grown up man. If someone's like doing bullshit, they're doing, doing some messed up stuff. I recognize that, you know, sometimes I won't say shit just because obviously me saying shit is going to blow off their cover. And like, you know, sometimes people are not ready for that. Sometimes people are not ready for cognitive, cognitive dissonance. You know, the cognitive dissonance is the sort of thing that you, uh, people want to be liked, right? People gradually like just naturally want to be liked. And if you give them this sort of um, side that okay you're completely wrong like here 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 these are all the facts and everything they're when they see that they're wrong they're not gonna they're not gonna like that you know it's gonna take them a hard time adapting to the fact that they're wrong because some people are so within themselves they are not gonna accept that they're wrong you know and then that is something that you have to be completely okay with at all times you know that self-accountability that you can be wrong at any time like all this shit that you've researched and you've thought about it and you constantly sticking to this one's perspective that could all be wrong you know that's why you have to think in sort of a gray perspective where things are not always black or white you know there's always some gray in the matter you know and that <clears throat> that goes into a lot of different things and perspectives and conversations so it's always important to remember that but um I think that is it for most of my journey. I know I've said a lot, but basically this concludes the first podcast, the first episode of the SZ show. And yeah, please um, give me some feedback on whatever you guys, uh, you know, want me to talk about next, whoever you want me to bring upon next and everything. And this is a platform for all of my friends, for anybody, literally anybody. I don't care whoever you are on the Internet. It's a platform for you to come here and then talk with me on any topic you want we can just dive into <clears throat> different sort of sides of any conversation any topic any interaction um so i'm welcoming all of that but thank you so much for listening to me and i hope you guys have a great day for sure